0: Reading from the 17th chapter of the Gospel according to John, beginning with the first verse. After Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you since You have given Him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom You have given Him. And this is eternal life, that they may know You, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom You have sent. I glorified You on earth by finishing the work that You gave Me to do. So now, Father... Glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me I have given to them and they have received them and know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world but on behalf of those whom you gave me because they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I have been glorified in them. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, so that they also may be sanctified in truth. I ask not only on behalf of these but also on behalf of those who will believe in Me through their word, that they may all be one. As You, Father, are in Me and I am in You, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that You have sent Me. The glory that You have given Me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and You in Me, And these know that you have sent Me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you loved Me may be in them and I in them. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, a little bit later than this time last year, maybe just like a week or two later, There was a lightning storm here in Lakehurst. Now, we know what thunderstorms are. A lightning storm is the one that you don't care if it's raining or not. You just want to get out of the lightning. Right? We know the difference between a lightning storm and a thunderstorm. This was a lightning storm. A lightning storm is one of those that makes you want to get from the car to the house as quickly as possible, right? You make sure you got the keys in your hand when you get out of the vehicle. You got the key to the house between your thumb and index finger because you don't want the key to slow you down getting out of the lightning, right? It's going off like popcorn. You hear me, church? It was pretty scary. And about the time I got to the door and put the key in the door, there was a blue flash all around me. And at first I thought maybe the door had shocked me. But I didn't feel anything, but I was scared. And I was shaken. Because I didn't know where the lightning hit. I didn't hear the lightning. I was so close to it, I never heard the thunder. It was terrifying. But everything turned blue and I ran in the house after I got the key in the door without breaking it, which is kind of a miracle, right? Because I was pretty shaky. But what's the first thing I did when I went in the house? Flip the lights. Because you want to know, did it knock the power out, right? Did it knock the power out? We know that when lightning hits, stuff happens, right? Right? When lightning hits, something happens. If we hear lightning hit near us, we wonder whose house is on fire. We wonder which transformer got blown up. If you grew up on a street that had transformers down the street, you have likely seen lightning hit a transformer. It's the best fireworks display man ever invented. Except for when a squirrel gets on one. I knew that something had happened by the lightning, but I walked in and I flicked the light switch and the lights came on, so I figured everything's okay. And I took a breath and I calmed down, and I was just glad I didn't get hit by it. Closest I've probably ever come, except for one time when lightning hit I-26 in front of my truck, and asphalt landed on the hood of my truck. That was pretty close too. It was terrifying. A couple weeks later, I drive to Buffalo, New York, Dunkirk, New York near Buffalo to go fishing the third weekend in June. That always happens. My nephew's coming to meet me from Michigan. We go out the first day and we fish the whole day and it was beautiful and wonderful. And as we're coming in at the end of the day, I told him, I said, we need to plug the battery charger in so the batteries will be fresh tomorrow. And I unrolled the electrical extension cord and I flipped it out to him in the boat and I said, plug it in that little port back there. On my boat, there's a port. You put the female end of the plug in and the wire goes down to the battery charger. The light comes on on the battery charger. It charges the battery. The trolling motor works and I'm a happy redneck. See how that works? That's how it works. Well, I told him, I said, take the storage bin out of the compartment and look under it and make sure the light is on on the battery charger. Y'all with me? And he said, no sir, but it looks like it's been on fire. And I knew what the lightning did at that point. Apparently the lightning hit my boat and blew the battery charger up and the battery charger got so hot that the top of it looked like a raisin. We know something happens when there's lightning, right? Without question. But I'm going to tell you something I've never done in my entire life. I've never prayed for rain with an umbrella in my hand. I wonder sometimes why we don't expect prayer to have the same effect as lightning. If lightning hits your house, you're going to be looking for the fire or the light power to be out, right? It's going to blow your TV up. Check the TV. That's what we usually do. We expect something to happen. But not the same with prayer. A lot of times we'll tell people that we'll pray for them, but what we really mean is we'll think about them, or we hope everything turns out. Or if somebody tells us something is going through, we'll say, well, we're praying for you, but really what we mean to say is, well, we care about you. And then we don't really think about it until we see them the next time. The want is to say that prayer changes things. Right? And prayer changes circumstances. And I've had some experiences in my life where I can say that maybe that's true, but what I can say for certain is that prayer changes us. And I've told you about one of those many times. As I was struggling with my call to ministry from 17 to age 35, there were many times when I prayed, Lord, don't make me be a pastor. How'd that prayer work out for me? I didn't get my answer I wanted, did I? But do you know that somehow in the midst of that, God changed my prayer. My prayers changed me. They changed my heart. So that I began to pray to be a pastor. And I don't know when that happened, but one day when I was 34 years old or so, I just realized that I was praying for something that I had spent half my life hoping I wouldn't have to do. Prayer changed me. My prayers changed me. And what we get a glimpse of in this story is that intimate conversation that prayer really is. I, I'd love to tell you that there's a formula that you can pray. You know, you can go to Walmart or Family Christian Bookstores or Lifeway and you can walk in there and you can find a book that'll tell you a formula to pray and you'll get what you want, right? And some guy's going to make a million bucks off that book and a bunch of people that pray it ain't going to get nothing, but he's going to sell a book. He prayed about that book, is what he would tell you, and he got his money. (laughs) I'd love to tell you that there's a prayer, that there's that there's a formula, there's a right way. I I might, you know, I would even maybe teach you the Lord's Prayer as a formula, but it's not. It's just Jesus reminding us that prayer is nothing but asking our Father for what we need. And Jesus criticized people around him. He said, "You don't need to be like those Pharisees with their big, giant, long prayers." Just go and pray in secret. And I'll tell you the truth, I think prayers prayed in traffic with your eyes open are just as effective as if you sit down with the Acts formula and pray that. Prayer is simply a conversation with Almighty God, with Father, Son, and Spirit, with a holy, loving, merciful God who desires life for you. And what I know from my experience is that I don't have much confidence that I can ask for something and it is without a doubt going to happen exactly like I ask it to happen. But I have seen my prayers get answered with the answer that I needed, which was that I'm going to be a pastor. I have seen my prayers get answered with what somebody else needed, which was that my daughter would have a home. Eloise Williams asked me to pray for her one day because she was dizzy and couldn't walk. And she came to church the next Sunday and said, you know, I haven't been dizzy since you prayed for me, and I was shocked. (laughs) And I should have said, of course not, Eloise. We asked God for that, right? But I was shocked because never, ever, ever have I stood and prayed for rain with even waterproof shoes on, much less an umbrella. I don't have that much confidence in the words I ask. But dear ones, I have confidence in these words that our Lord asked. Because what we hear today is a conversation between God. We hear God the Son say to God the Father, glorify them as you've glorified me. Set them apart as you set me apart. Send them as you send me. I know that I can expect lightning to produce a result. I have faith and I'm hopeful that my prayers matter. But I know without certainty that the prayers of Jesus are just as effective as lightning. I have no doubt of that. And that means I should think about what Jesus has prayed for us. Because you might, unless you missed it, maybe you did. Let me remind you. Jesus said, I'm praying this for these ones with me. And he said, I'm praying for those who will believe in me because of their words. Say, that includes me. That includes you. That night, after Judas left the room, Jesus prayed for you, dear one. And His prayer for you is that you would have the eternal life that He wants you to have. That was first. And after that, He said, Lord, you know, that's nothing but knowing You. And Jesus' prayer for you and for me was that we would know God so deeply that it would give us life that is indestructible, impenetrable, and not reachable by death. And then he prayed for two more things for us. He prayed that we would be one. Of one heart, of one mind, of one spirit, of one will. He prayed that all of his followers would be one. And the thing that drives me nuts about this prayer is that that's hard to see sometimes. Denominations quibbling with each other people in churches quibbling, people leaving churches because their feelings are hurt, arguments all the time in churches, churches breaking down because of somebody picked the wrong color carpet. We make those jokes because it happens somewhere. But Jesus' prayer is that we would be one. So I have hope, dear ones, that somewhere along the course of the church's history, the church will so be united to Christ in love that we'll set aside all of our petty differences. And finally sing with one voice. Because Jesus asked for it. And Jesus' prayers are more effective than lightning. Then He asked something else. He said, Lord, sanctify them. As I I told the confirmation class Friday night, that just means set them apart. Make them holy. Holy just means set apart. When we say that God is holy, we're saying that God is completely other than we are. That God is mystery. A mystery wrapped up in the beauty and glory of love. The dazzling brightness of a love unimaginable. And what was prayed for us was that God would send us into ministry the same way that God sent Jesus so that God could be glorified by us. It's easy for us to reach out and understand how Jesus glorified God, because Jesus said, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. That was how He understood how He was going to glorify God. It was being nailed to a cross. And now we hear our Lord pray that we will be glorified in the same way He is. Not that we would live for ourselves, but that we would live for others and give ourselves for others. That we would put others first. Those, dear ones, are our Lord's prayers for us. That we would have eternal life. That we would be one with Him, one with the Father, and one with the Spirit. Which is why when we come to the table, we pray that prayer Make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one into ministry with all the world, because that's Jesus' hope for us. And He prayed that we would be sent into ministry. I have news for you. That one is coming true in about four minutes. In about four minutes... I'm going to give you the last good word, the benediction. And as a called representative of Jesus Christ, I'm going to stand here today and send you into ministry when I tell you to go in peace. (coughs) And Jesus Christ's prayer for you in that moment is fulfilled. When you are sent out into the world to be His hands and His feet, To be His glory. To be His brightness. To be His love. This is the prayer of our Lord. And while my prayers might not garner every result I ask, I have no doubt that Christ's prayer is being fulfilled in us, dear one. It might not look like we think it's going to look. But it is being fulfilled. We will be one. And we are being set apart for ministry. We are being sent to serve others. And to love others with the love of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.